0: Hi there, I'm Richard. I'm the senior pastor of Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Hey, greetings ENAC family. I'm bringing greetings from Every Nation Brisbane. My name is Nellie Artinger, and I'm here to represent Queensland, Australia, land of the Maroons. Hope you are having a blessed week so far. I'm really excited to bring the word of God for us today. And I wanted to shout out Pastor Richard and Chrissy Urban and just the rest of your leadership team for having me and entrusting to me uh, this word that I've been uh, tasked to deliver to you today. Before I do that, I just wanted to uh, take this opportunity to introduce you to my family. Um, Some some of you may not know, I actually grew up here in Auckland and was a part of this church uh, up until 16 years ago when I migrated to Singapore. And on this photo, you'll see that I married a beautiful Singaporean Filipina uh, by the name of Tina. And we have three children. Uh, We have Nazareth, who's now 14, Zion, who's 12, and Jordan, my youngest girl, who's 10. Uh, And so they're all growing. Um, My eldest daughter is now taller than my wife, catching up to me. Uh, They're aiding me out of house and home. They're very healthy. Uh, and so we're bringing greetings and love from not just my family, but also your spiritual family in every nation, Brisbane. So if you're ever in Queensland, please do come and visit us, visit our church. We'd love to see you and come and see some of the best beaches, some of the best eating that you can do. Come over and watch a winning sports team. All right, <laughs> let's get into the word of God today Um I'm going to be um, continuing in your series, going through the life and the life narrative of Joshua, um, a particular figure in Israelite history. And I'm actually going to be talking a little bit from the place of, um, well, firstly, let me just explain this. Um, we're going to look at Joshua 1, the chapter. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, I'm actually going to explain a lot through it. And then we're going to go through, in particular, the first portion of that chapter. But before we go there, I wanted to explain to you uh, just the context of there and as it leads into our thinking. So, you know, Joshua uh, back then was tasked to lead the people of Israel uh, from where they were just outside the promised land into the promised land. And so when we think about the the predecessor of Joshua, because we can't really address Joshua's life and some of the successes that he had as a minister of and leader of of the people of Israel without acknowledging Moses who came before him. And what God did in using Moses, and I actually find this a blessing myself as a Christian leader and as a pastor, um, is just seeing the way Moses was utilized by God to bring uh, the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, and bring them north. Um, what was specifically uh, interesting about this was looking at them take a an 11-day journey. It should have taken them 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Baniyam, which is uh, basically from Egypt to just outside the promised land. But it took them 40 years. And The reason behind this, you'll hear many preachers say this, is that there was a process that God had to bring them through as they walked through the desert. You know, it would take them 11 days to get through the desert, but it would take them 40 years to get the desert out of them. And so what we call this space and what we call this process is we call it a liminal space. Now, a liminal space, as you can see on this graphic here, is kind of like a a passageway if you can imagine a doorway or an archway where you're moving from one room into another room. And so there's a preparation. There's a preparation as you move from one room into another room that you know what that other room has. So you when you enter into it, you know what to expect. For instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I move in my home from the living room into the kitchen, I need to have a preparation in my heart and mind to know what I'm going to do in the kitchen. Otherwise, the process of moving from that room to the next room is deemed uh, not useful, useless. And so understanding that that process that God brings us through in that liminal space, that archway, that desert place, that process is necessary in order that we are prepared for what is promised us. Now, I often think about our situation here and I often think about uh, the process that we've all been through with this pandemic. I think about these three Gs in particular, how we've all had to grieve, we've all had to learn what to be grateful for, and we've all had to learn about the gifts that even this pandemic has presented to us. Sometimes it's even hard to see those things, right? To See that some of the things that this pandemic has unearthed are actually gifts. Let me give you some examples. In my own life uh, and in my wife's life, uh, we've lost family members Due to this pandemic, due to the, uh, to COVID-19 in the Philippines, uh, we've lost a, a, um, a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law. We also lost um, a sister. Tina's sister uh, also passed away during this period. And so there was a lot of the sense of loss. And not only added to that was the fact that we couldn't get back to the Philippines to properly uh, grieve and mourn alongside my in-laws, my, my um, wife's family. And so that was hard. And I know that that's not an isolated case. I know many of you have lost something. It may have been the life of a loved one. It may have even been possibly a job or um, just the, the opportunities that were once there are no longer there. And so it's important that we learn to grieve and mourn and even lament towards God. Understanding that he is good at all times. Now, it's easy for me as a preacher to say, you know, I'm being flippant and saying that God is good all the time. But to really know that he's good in that liminal space requires a real process of worship. So learning to grieve towards God is something that God teaches us in this liminal space. He also teaches us to be reminded of what we should be grateful for. The Bible says in Psalms that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, the way to enter into God's presence. And we'll talk a little bit about being in God or in Christ in a moment, because this is really important for all of us to experience. That as we walk in this gratefulness or this gratitude, uh, we recognize that that's an entrance way towards what God has for us. And then thirdly, the gift, right? Just understanding that there are gifts that God has given us. I'll give you an example. I'm talking to a a Canon camera right now. I do not know about you, but like having talked to my dear friend, Pastor Richard, you know, like there wasn't always the existence of this media, especially pre-pandemic, but thank God for I've got my friend Joshua here who's filming me right now and many of your volunteers who helped to create this medium of media to be able to communicate the gospel. We now have a media ministry to be able to take this gospel beyond where it could go before. These are gifts. We didn't have them before, but they've been gifted to us. Maybe some of you have learned new skills during this pandemic. I know of people that have learned how to cook during this pandemic. Um, Filmmakers during this pandemic have gotten creative. Because sometimes being in a restrictive space, things are birthed and gifted to us. So these are the three G's, the things that God does in this liminal space. And so what God is doing in the people of Israel before Joshua comes on the scene is he's taking them through this liminal space in preparation for what's to come. Now, the book of Joshua starts, obviously, in chapter one, introduces Joshua in the first verse, And then in the second verse, it says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise. This is God's word to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise. This is acknowledging, okay, that there is a generation that has come before Joshua that has set Joshua up in order for him to walk into the fullness of the promise. This ministers to me in in, in two ways. Number one, it ministers to me as somebody who looks at the example, firstly, of Moses, right? Who had been given the promise of a promised land, but having enough humility to know that the promised land for him is actually the presence of God found in the tabernacle and meeting with him and not necessarily a geographical location. He found complete fulfillment in the presence of God. And so when he didn't enter into the promised land, as some of us may think, you know, just because the promise has been given to me, does that, does that mean it has to happen in my generation? Maybe the promise will be given to me, but it's it's for my children whom you met earlier. Maybe it's the next generation that will experience the full fruitfulness of that promise. Well, are we going to be humble enough to know the deep satisfaction that we can find if we just know that the promise can actually not necessarily happen in our lifetime, but happen beyond us. So I love that Moses found full satisfaction in the presence of God and the promised land for him personally, not necessarily the nation of Israel. They did geographically enter into the promised land. But for Moses, he found all that he needed in the presence of Christ. And so when Joshua was confronted with the statement, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise. ministers to me in the second way is that I, much like you, being in this generation, going through this liminal space of this pandemic and maybe even longer with generational transfer, understanding that you are a part of this chosen generation, that there's generations that have gone before us that have passed on and passed to us this inheritance. Now it's on us to arise. And what's our response to that, right? Are we going to be like this child in the photo who just kind of hides? Are we going to to hide from God? Because we don't think that we have the confidence or even the skills to be able to execute what God's called us to. But in Joshua's case, he knew that watching Moses and his leadership and his interactions with God, that he had everything that he needed for eventually a time when he would... Be tasked to lead the people of Israel. So he came out of hiding. This is this is the reason why, and we're going to see in a lot of these verses that I'm about to read, why God is is speaking a lot of these statements over him before he actually takes the reins. Now I want you to catch this, okay? In Joshua chapter one verse three, it says this: Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Wow. If you actually read the book of Genesis, it actually uh, towards the end of Genesis, where the narrative about Joseph's life it actually starts talking about Joseph's life by saying, this is the story of Jacob. And then it talks about Joseph, because a lot of the times we need to understand that God is a multi-generational God, that actually the story of my life will be seen in how my children walk with God. And so Moses imparts that to them. And he imparts that to Joshua. And we can read about it in passages like uh, Exodus chapter 22, when they're confronted with a a situation of uh, having to confront the people of Israel and Moses gives him the task. And there's this teachable moment that Joshua experiences under Moses. Uh, He learns the, the humility that can be found in the meeting place with God, uh, I encourage you, I'm just going to give you the text. Exodus chapter 33 is a profound text. I encourage you to read it, where Moses is, is close to God. He meets with him like a friend. And there's this amazing encounter that has uh, that Moses has with God. And Joshua is observing this. Joshua is observing that, in, like in Numbers 11, that the power that that Moses has to lead and the wisdom that Moses has to lead comes from a place of deep, deep intimacy with God. In Deuteronomy 31, we're going to hear a phrase that you'll hear often in Joshua chapter 1, but the phrase is said to Moses first. The phrase comes from him and comes from God and is spoken to Moses. And the phrase is this, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He repeats this phrase to Moses. And again, Joshua's observing. He's checking him out. Okay, I see something happening here between you and God. All right, all right. And this is important because Moses is not just receiving instruction, but he's receiving impartation as he observes the way Moses leads people with wisdom. But recognizing the source of wisdom, courage, and strength comes from this deep encounter with God. I'm just going to quote to you from a book called Strengthening the Soul of Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And it says this, they need need us, talking about leaders, they need us to keep searching for the bread of life that feeds our own souls so that we can guide them, the people that follow us, to places of sustenance for their own souls. Then rather than offering the Cold stone of past devotionals, regurgitated apologetics, or someone else's musings about the spiritual life. We will have bread to offer that is warm from the oven of our intimacy with God. Love that imagery. I'm a bread eater. I love bread. Okay. And there's nothing like. I mean, I have many of you might have seen the movie Ratatouille, right? And that at the apex of the movie, spoiler alert, uh, the the critic. Tastes the ratatouille and immediately is taken back to when he was the age of nine and and he had the ratatouille as a child and just fond memories. My ratatouille moment would be like on Sunday mornings growing up in the samoan household and, and having bread being baked in the oven or baked in the baker's uh, in the bakery and then coming out hot with samoan cocoa. Like that combination of the cocoa and the bread and and butter, tons of butter. Don't tell anybody. Uh, would would would. Uh, would coangulate and then waft into my bedroom and awaken me as a young uh, child growing up. The, the fond memories I have of those smells on a Sunday morning. And there's nothing like something that's been baked from the oven of intimacy with God that we can impart to our people. So here's that statement again. Be strong and courageous. I love it. Like, check this out. He says this to Joshua now, okay? Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise. Everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, right? Now he says to this statement, be strong, courageous three times. But I want you to notice the difference in tone as we go through it. Verse five says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In other words, God's saying, I got you. No one's going to touch you or be able to touch you, right? Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The same God of Moses is the same God who was with Joshua. The same God who was with Moses and Joshua is going to be with you, is going to be with you today. You should find encouragement in that. We don't close our Bibles and say, that was great once upon a time in Israel. But I'm here to tell you that they will look upon our generation here in Auckland and say, once upon a time in Auckland, God did amazing things. Amazing things because they had faith that believed in the same God from the Old and New Testament. Let me read on. It says, I will not leave you or forsake you. Some of you need to hear that. God's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Here we go. Verse six, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. If God has promised this to you, He will bring it to pass. Be strong and courageous. Okay, so this is the first mention of this, but it's repeated, right? The second time he mentions this later on. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Implies that we are sons and daughters because an inheritance deems that we are actually his children. You are his children. So there's an adoption differentiation that needs to happen here, right? Because adoption in ancient Israel, and especially later on and during Roman times, adoption would always be looked upon as not, not just um, to take in the orphaned and the quote-unquote unwanted, but those you would adopt are desperately wanted. It would be like more, more like a recruitment Adoption Who's worthy to carry my name? Who's worthy to carry my surname? And this is the same thing that God does, He adopts us and He says, You're worthy to carry the name of Jesus, be in Christ. So be strong and courageous. You carry my name, you carry my inheritance. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. So there's an increase in, in how He's saying it, not just be strong and courageous, only be strong and very courageous and be careful to do all that the law that my all the law that my Moses my servant has commanded you again referring to the former generation don't turn from it from the right hand to the left that you might have good success wherever you go there's going to be plenty of opportunities to sway from the left or or to the right, to the left. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to, to, to be faltering, especially during these trying and uncertain times. But we have the reassurance that the same God of the previous generation still grants us courage today. You've been set up to win. Just reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where the author talks about, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, And many scholars believe that the cloud of witnesses are actually the saints that have gone before us who have gone to do great things for God. Actually, if you read Hebrews 11, you have the, the faith hall of fame. So therefore, because the same God that lives in them lives inside of you. Therefore, since you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast off everything that sins. Uh, everything that hinders, sorry, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race that's marked out before us. Verse 12 says, and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shames, now seated at the right hand of the Father. We find encouragement in knowing that the former generations that have gone before us have set us up to win. You stand on the shoulders of of amazing spiritual giants throughout church history. And some of them are even in your own history. Now, the third time that this is mentioned, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's like God is saying to Joshua, don't you get it yet? Like I said, be strong and courageous. Then I said, only be strong and very courageous. The Third time, have I not commanded you? You still don't get it? Be strong and courageous. He recognizes the obstacles for this courage. And the obstacles are, don't be frightened and don't be dismayed. Now, frightened will attack your self-confidence, but being dismayed would cause you to, Yes, grieve Moses, but grieve grieve Moses to the point where it cripples you from being able to move forward, not understanding that Moses has set Joshua's generation up to win and to move forward. Now, I'd love to unpack this word, courageous. If you look at the word courageous in the Hebrew, it actually means being strengthened in spirit to overcome, being strengthened in spirit to overcome. Actually, this morning I was with Pastor Richard, and Pastor Richard was just sharing with us, sharing with me about, uh, from the end of 1 Corinthians 15, and he was talking about uh, how God desires for us to be enthusiastic about serving and and worshiping Him. Now, when I think about being enthusiastic, especially with everything that we've gone through, I also think about, like, the correlation between being enthusiastic and being energized— And some of us have been through a lot, right? And we don't really feel the energy. But actually, when we look at the Greek word for enthusiasm, to be enthused, uh, the prefix en means in Greek, in. And theos means God. So to be enthusiastic means to be in God. And that's the same Greek word when you correlate it into the Hebrew that is used here for being courageous. It's like God is enthusing or or breathing his spirit into Joshua. (sighs) Be strong and courageous. (sighs) Be strong and very courageous. (sighs) Do you not get it? (laughs) I said, be strong and courageous. He's breathing life into him. I just want to close with this example. I have... Uh, a tendency, I, I, I like to ride my bike. I have a bicycle that my wife bought me. And during the beginning of the pandemic, um, I used to take my son. My son loves to ride a scooter and I like, used to ride our bike. And there were restrictions, remember. Um, I, I know there's similar restrictions here in Auckland. But back in Brisbane, uh, we were only allowed to go to parks that were within 10 kilometers of where we lived. And so there's this beautiful park near where I live in an area called Mount Gravatt. And the park had a little pond, half pond, half lake. It's kind of like in-between pond and lake sort of size. And so each morning, uh, while my daughters would do their uh, online schooling, my son and I, I'd call it PE, but it was also an opportunity for me to get some exercise (laughs) because I needed it. Uh, I'd jump on my bike and my son would jump on his scooter and we would ride around that lake. And it's some of the fondest memories, I would say gifts, again, talking about what I talked about at the top. The gift of those memories of riding with my son and enjoying the nature within that park around the pond, being able to feed the ducks because there was a duck pond, uh, uh, an area where the ducks would come and we'd be able to feed, bread, feed them bread. But I often thought about it because there was times that, you know, my my tires would get flat. And so in order to obviously inflate them, you need to get the bicycle pump and just pump air into them. And I begin to correlate that with regards to this example here that I'm talking about, how in order for Joshua to function as the leader that God needed him to be for Israel in order that they enter into the promised land, he had to, number one, bring them through that liminal space of trial, of formation, of being able to mold character so that when Moses would be the one that would be taken into glory. Joshua would be ready. And then in this chapter, he is enthusing him. He is breathing life into him. I think about a bicycle that has no air in it. And I'm sure many of you have bicycles at home. Hopefully they're getting a lot of use (laughs) during this time. But when you have a tire that has no air, it wrecks the wheel. It wrecks the rim of the wheel. And so when you try to ride it, uh, if, if you're not careful, you can actually uh, warp the wheel. Uh, the second thing is that it requires much more effort to pedal forward. So when you're riding a bike with flat tires, it requires a lot more human effort to pedal it forward. And then lastly, it's a lot harder to steer and to guide towards where you want to go because the tires are flat. And I often think about how that correlates towards our pursuit of the direction and everything that God has promised us, having gone through the process and about to step into everything that God has for us. That God wants to breathe life into you and life abundantly. That's his promise in John 10, 10. That if we're not careful, we can wreck our lives if we are not enthused or in God. We can, much like the wheel, we can ruin or even abuse our lives. Secondly, it requires a lot more human effort to move forward in the calling of God because we're not full of his encouragement. And then thirdly, it's a lot harder to steer towards the promise of what he has for us. We can only do what God's called us to do if we experience his fresh life and fresh breath, the warm bread found in the oven of intimacy, the character that is found in the secret place and in the liminal spaces of our lives, the processing Because in order to make warm bread, the heat needs to be turned up. There needs to be kneading. And God brings us through these processes so that we can bring about a blessing, not just for us, but for others that will experience the kingdom of God through our lives. And that's going to be my prayer as I close here. I just want to pray for you that as God breathes new life into you, that you would be encouraged, that you would be enthused, that you will be able to carry out everything that this former generation has brought to you, understanding that this is your moment in history. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise. God, I want to pray for my wonderful friends here at Every Nation, Auckland City. Thank you, God, that by your preordination, your predestination, that they get to hear this message, that this Word of God would collide with their ears and their moment in history right now. I really believe with all my heart that you are desiring to breathe new life into everyone. And right now, I pray the breath of the Holy Spirit would enthuse us today. Lord, we receive your Spirit. We receive the fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there needs to be a conviction to go deeper And our intimacy with you, much like Moses did with you, walking with you as a friend, knowing what it is to to pursue your glory. Lord, that's our prayer. We pray the prayer of Moses, show us your glory. Lord, we dare not do anything apart from your spirit. Breathe afresh on your church, on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you all. And again, the the invitation is open, welcoming you to come and fellowship with us in Brisbane. Thank you so much. Grace and peace. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website at www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.